What's up, Jay Bros? Live from Toronto, Ontario, in Kansas City, Missouri. This is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bast. My co-host is John F. Balta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know we're alive, pal. From off of the comic panels and into our reality, the debut of Haunted Francis. Can you believe it, my friend? Just being friends with you, I feel like I have such more of a proximity to wrestling than I had before. Obviously as a fan, but also like, yeah, you just always seem to be either you're on the screen at Wrestle Kingdom 14 or you're you're planning uh, some great merch for the best friends uh, and, and your illustrations are on AEW or in Complex talking about AEW. And now I actually get to see a wrestler dressed as one of your illustrations. I must say... Truly one of the coolest and most surreal things I've ever seen. Because I don't know if I've ever seen a wrestler that, like, looked that fucking cool. Thanks, bro. Like, it's really something. Uh, his whole look, like, yeah, it's it's unlike any other mask I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, big shout out to uh, Green Ant for that. But go on, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt. No, not at all. Not at all. Green Ant. Yeah, just the fact that he's blue and lanky. This blue lanky punk guy with these green chains. John... How did this first get started? Yeah, I was wondering, I'd be curious to know, like, what percentage of the people that listen to our podcast, if we just were like, it's Haunted Francis, and then we just kept rolling with it, like, who would actually just accept it and be like, no, like, oh yeah, it's my comic book character. But yeah, for those that don't know, Haunted Francis is a comic book character that I wrote two years ago, uh... And he's this punk kid who has a skull that bursts out of his chest when he's a teenager, and the skull ruins his life in every possible way. Where he he has a he's sentient, has a mind of its own. So Hunter Francis can't like loses some girlfriends. Yeah. He can't hold a job. You know, it's it's really it's it's a real asshole. This skull. Totally, and it was published as a single issue comic. It actually started as like a tiny short story that I wrote uh, for a zine the year before that and then i was like i gotta expand that short story about a skull bursting out of someone's chest that ruins their life um (laughs) and so when did that turn into a wrestling thing so yeah did that when did those dots connect the original so the very very first original thing i was working on this series of i was kind of taking a break from client work uh like client illustration work and just doing like a new exploration uh with graphite pencils and I was drawing different things I found visually inspiring. And there is a um, random throwaway repeated villain in Ninja Gaiden that wears like a cloak that I wanted to draw. Dude, I didn't, I didn't know you liked Ninja Gaiden. That's sick. Yeah, the like colors in that are very inspiring to me. And just the way, like the the Nintendo, I mean, all of them are good, but the original Nintendo one is the one I'm speaking about. And yeah, that, totally. that one, just the color, the colors in it, the patterns in it, and just the way the characters look, I really love, and the gameplay is fun, but uh, that <laughs> there's a character that's reused a lot that has a cloak, and I was drawing it in graphite, but I was going to have to draw, like, or fill it, it was, I was using graphite pencil, like, with a, on a piece of paper, uh, and I was going to have to fill in this big black space, so I put a skull there, and then wrote the story based off of that, like, oh, what if that skull was growing off that character's chest? So then I started thinking about the next comic that I was going to write, and I knew I wanted wrestling to be a part of it in some capacity. And this was the Hunter Francis is the first sort of 
Hot and Francis and Torture Act, the first issue kind of were like worked on simultaneously. It was like when I was like, I need to start like connecting like this thing that I'm obsessed with to this thing that I love to do, which is illustration and drawing. And when I thought of it for a comic, it's like what I didn't want it to just be some like like a hokey comic about like that was just like using wrestling as sort of like a backdrop. I wanted the ba- wrestling to have like a narrative purpose within the comic. So within this, the Hunter Francis comic, he goes to a McDonald's for an interview and the skull ruins the interview, like every interview that he has. But the assistant manager that he's being interviewed by books, a wrestling show on the weekends and is like, Hey, I don't think you can work at McDonald's, but that skull on your chest will sell tickets. So why don't you try wrestling? And that sort of... And not only that, but also, like, serves as, like, his hype man, his, like, his manager, his, like, announcer, too, right? Yes. It's such a great built-in gimmick. Right. And that that came as I was, like, writing the comic where it's like, oh, it's perfect because he's, like, a loudmouthed, rude character who would cut incredible promos. So, of course, he's the hype man. And then Francis is slender and slim, so he's got, like, Super Junior, Jushin Liger like moves and uh speaking cut in the comic world and uh yeah and so it it, by the the end of that comic and then that's at least that contains story the very first issue it wrestling has fundamentally changed Hunter francis's life he and the skull the skull is always worn out at the end of the night so he sleeps at night now and francis is able to hold a relationship with a person who does video for the wrestling promotion and you know, things are are looking up for Haunted Francis. So I, I wrote that and published it in 2019. And then around that same time, did some merch for Brave Billy Avery, who is a great wrestler in his own right. And sort of similar, almost like, like a human Haunted Francis. Like, he's a cool looking punk dude. So it's like, so perfect that he, but he reached, Billy Avery reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in him starting to portray Haunted Francis. And this was like maybe last last year in early summer, he asked me this. Uh, so this was after you had already been doing merch for him. Yeah, I did a, right? I did like a long sleeve t-shirt for him uh, in 2019. And we, we'd been in contact just variously like through email and stuff um, after I'd done that shirt. Uh, and then from there, like, yeah, just from being in contact at, at one point, he asked, like, would you be interested in me portraying Haunted Francis? And when I wrote that comic, I was in the back of my mind thinking that would be the most insane place for this project to go. Like, what if someone portrayed Haunted Francis? But like, never like that. That was not something it's like, how do you how would you even go about making trying to make that a reality beyond the fa- beyond just like wishing and like, you know, hopefully willing it into the world in some way? Like, I don't. Yeah. So when he asked you, did you just immediately say yes, or did you have some like, did you have to think about it a little bit? Because obviously it's like one of your babies. No. Yeah. I well, I think because he wasn't just a random person, and totally. Yeah. Just I, he seemed like the right person to do it. It seemed it just seemed like the stars aligned, and him asking me that at that time, there was no question. He texted me. I it was must have been like early summer, and I said yes, absolutely. Um, and then made sort of like a, um, a roadmap for what the mask should look like. And then the mask has been being worked on. It's been 
like uh, maybe like a six month process. That was the longest part of the whole process. I actually think the mask process was longer than writing the entire comic initially. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, when someone, it's like no one has realized a drawing of mine onto a, like a, a Lucha mask before. So the, Crazy. that process there took, there was a lot can of editing. Can you describe, can you describe the, the look of Haunted Francis for, for someone who's listening to this and isn't, Hasn't Googled this yet. Sure. Haunted Francis is a blue humanoid character. He is like a punk human. He can't grow hair because he has a spiderweb birthmark on his forehead. So imagine <laughs> like, and that's sort of like partially inspired by Bam Bam Bigelow's head tattoo. Like, I, you know, totally. I love how that tattoo totally. looks and started giving my characters various head tattoos in that way and eventually settled upon the... Um, Spiderweb for Francis, and then he has uh, fangs because his mom is a tarantula, and gigantic ears and big eyes, like all of my other characters do. And totally. yeah, yeah, he's he he, and now he is a real life person. He had his debut match in a six man tag this past weekend uh, at Weekend at Sean's in Williamstown, New Jersey. How, how much uh, how much input did? Uh... Did Billy ask you for, you know, say his costume, his his entrance music and things like that, like the whole the realizing the character? Pretty much all of it. Yeah. Um, it's been great collaborating with Billy because he I he I just think he completely understands the character and what I want it to be. So I think even if I was just like if I just signed off on the mask and wasn't involved in anything else, I think it still would have been like, I would have been satisfied with it regardless of my involvement, I think, because he, I think he totally understands the character. Um, totally. But yeah, dude, like it was, just the, it, it was wild to see him come down. Oh my God, dude. And yeah, just the, so the planning of it, like I, I made the rest of the costume that he wore uh, this past weekend uh, through various, it was like, it's not like I'm like a seamstress or anything, but I just Googled a lot of like, what would hold like industrial strength permanent sort of things hold letters to uh pants so i bought a pair of joggers that would fit him and then painted some canvas green and then attach that to the pants for his haunted francis pants uh and then he wears a blue morph suit and a black frayed vest some spiked and the green chain and green chain yeah dude and then so yeah we we uh talked about music we texted back and forth a little bit about music and that was a big like kids of the black hole was actually his idea which is why i feel like if i had just been like go just do whatever you think is best man you know yeah it would have worked out it would have been sick either way but and i and i love the adolescence so the fact that he he came up with that song initially i i at first came back with a few other options but like ultimately it's like I don't know, just the build of that, his entrance on Saturday, where it's the slow build of the beginning of that song to then how hard it comes in when it drops. Yeah. And then he marched out. Haunted Francis marches out flanked by Jeff Cannonball and Logan Black, who both look like like goons pulled from like Return of the Living Dead or like <laughs> Class of Newcomb High. Like So he had his debut at weekend at Sean's uh, in Williamstown, New Jersey, this past weekend, and it was in a six-man tag. And I think my favorite moment, other than you know the entrance, I mean, he hit a sick neck breaker. Yeah. Uh, he went off the ropes, and you know, seemed like he was going to be uh, taken in a um, 
I can't remember what it's called, but like the like single leg it, rollover like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he reverse and does like a almost like a Superman bridge. Right. Yes. Like that was super sick. But my favorite moment was just seeing him standing on the apron, waiting to get tagged in, and he had his hand out and he just kind of like moved his oh, fingers yeah, like, a little bit. He was like, I was like, wiggles Holy his shit. fingers. Yeah. Yeah. It it really felt like uh like a like a comic book character. Like it didn't just feel like a dude standing there in a costume. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have the same feel as when you just see a lucha wrestler with a lucha mask. Like it, it, yeah. And I loved how commentary was selling it. They were like, who is this guy? Like, what is he? And the other guy was like, it's Haunted Francis. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. He, he, it was Haunted Francis is by John F. Malta. And that's all I know. Like, what is this guy? An alien? Yeah, totally. <laughs> like it was the purple the commentary did a really it. good job of like, Selling it in a perplexed way. Like, yeah, we don't know totally. what this is, but this is, we're enjoying whatever this yeah. is. It's, it's a, we, yeah. co- we constantly talk about commentary and it is incredible oh, that they <laughs> are able to sell something like that uh, as good as JR imagine sells if... p- uh, picture in picture. <laughs> I was about to say, imagine if it was JR, you'd be like, you know, I, I thought there would be a good wrestler named Haunted haunted gerald like, shut the fuck up Jay. uh or if it i was thinking if it was taz like oh what is this guy who's this blue ah, this guy's look he's lanky he's not a body guy that guy hasn't sniffed whey protein powder in his life dude yeah the nuances of his movements really i've i've gone back i've obviously gone back and watched the videos a lot since it's sunday it's only sunday now so it just happened yesterday uh which is saturday february 6th and I've gone back and watched the videos so much because they're so fun to watch, but I, I totally agree with you. The nuances of his movements is not something that we talked about at all. And the way that he yeah. moved as the character, like the hand, wiggling of the hand, and then at the end, when they're celebrating after they've won, Logan Black pushes him, like, is like, yeah, man, like, chest bumps him kind of with his hands. And then he does this, like, kind of like thing <laughs> with his shoulder and then, like, shakes himself out. <laughs> And it like it's like that's if Fran, that's who Fran, that's he like he he brought Hunter Francis alive like Hunter yeah, Francis was a totally. comic book character and like to see I don't know I've had and I've had my work animated for like client projects and like bigger projects but my work has never felt so alive as it has in that match and at as Billy Billy Avery portraying Haunted Francis like it's. It's so Can I tell sick. you why else I enjoy it? Is like you guys have a very similar build. So I got several messages oh. to my Instagram when I posted the video that was like, is that actually John Wrestling? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's not. But I was like, I doesn't like wouldn't surprise me, you know what I mean? Like it's plausible. I got quite a few uh, so DMs I, I, about I, it as well, where people were like, dude, it, that must have been so fun, you ripping it up like that. It's like Dude, he, I would have taken all the credit for that. I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm a wrestler now." I mean, the level—I mean, <laughs> levels of mystique would have been funny to be like, "Yeah, I'm somehow simultaneously drawing, working on illustrations at my desk in Kansas City and also in New Jersey wrestling." Uh, I mean, yeah, that that the the we the anonymity of it we had considered, but I, I think because a lot of people at the show and in general knew Billy Avery was doing Haunted Francis. Like originally, we were gonna right. make it just a, that's Haunted Francis. I don't know. He's alive now somehow, you know, like <laughs> keep it kayfabe. But I mean, talk like talking about it with you and talking about like kind of going back and critiquing it in the way that we critique 
wrestling in general it's like yeah dude so so fun and so cool to just think about the 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 way that he personified the character and he's going to continue playing haunted france or portraying haunted yeah Francis. what's what's next for for haunted francis do we know yeah fe- i believe february 27th there it's i don't think it's gonna be live on iwtv though it'll be posted afterwards there's gonna be another show that he works as haunted francis and then more will pop up as they happen um and we'll obviously be talking about them on here uh I got. I gotta say, like, uh, as far as the debut goes, like, I heard crowd members yelling "Haunted Francis." Right. Yeah. I saw a couple of tweets. Uh, one of the commentators from GCW uh, was like, "I love Haunted Francis." So it's like, I think he's already resonating with with audiences. And again, why shouldn't he? Because I cannot think of. I'm not just blowing smoke. I like a, like a wrestler with that kind of like unique look. I I can't think of one it, like. Yeah, he's t- it's totally something different. The 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 fact that he is like a living real wrestler now really just I don't know. I think I I can't think of a more satisfying project. Last question about Haunted Francis. The skull. Would you say he's more of like a Taz or a <laughs> Nick Gage? Like where would you put Dude, that's a good Venn diagram. Range? I feel like in the middle of the two. Yeah, would he have like he would he have like a like a like a New York yes, accent? Yes, he would not. It, it would yeah. be somewhere between Nick Gage and Taz, and I've been considering ways like depending on how involved the um, the character gets in terms of like what we can do, like in terms of booking a match. Like it would in my mind, it would be cool to let Haunted Francis just be Haunted Francis and not worry about the logistics of like having a skull on his chest because like it seemed like he could move around okay in ring and it didn't like like the yeah. costume he wore, uh, the gear that he wore didn't seem to impede any sort of movements. And uh, so totally. in my mind, it would be sick to eventually potentially have like an animation of the skull on the entrance screens and someone with a mic like live mic backstage cutting promos on people in ring like don Callis and omega's (laughs) match against janela uh i'm that's it i'm flying over to new jersey right now (laughs) but yeah i feel like long term that that's what i would imagine unless like the costume ends up getting involved enough to where we can make some kind of like foam chest piece that is like built into the morph suit or something to where it's actually on his chest which maybe that's in the future but for now yeah it's Incredible that he's working. Hunter Francis is out about and working matches, signing photographs, and taking pictures with the fans. And yeah, you can watch the debut of Haunted Francis on IWTV oh, yeah. Independent Wrestling Television. Uh, once again, at weekend at Sean's. Uh, what was the date again, John? February, February 6, twenty twenty one. And the the last year they did this is like I think the second time this event has happened. Maybe it has happened before, but the last year in twenty twenty. Um, the event was posted so i'm sure it'll be up i don't know how much longer how much further after it is posted you know on iwtv um also really quick big shout out to francis's tag team partners which i kind of briefly talked about but like th- lastly just like i feel like with these kinds of instances Hunter francis could have just been thrown with two random people that like you know like just like kind of like standard wrestlers but the yeah, two people totally. that he was paired with Jeff Cannonball at Jeff Cannonball on Instagram and Logan Black at King of Chaos NYC on Instagram. Follow both of them. They both tore the house down on Saturday. Uh, 
were just perfect like aesthetic uh contrasts matches and matches yeah, contrasts yeah, yeah. both contrasts yeah. and matches to haunted francis just their energy behind him when they all come out together is so cool to me and yeah oh man what a dream dude man i had chills what an awesome thing to watch on a saturday afternoon one of john's <laughs> comic book characters and a wrestling show but the week before we watched wwe royal rumble 2021 john i was scared we were about to enter like the the darkest timeline of wwe because they were saying you know, you know wwe has gone to peacock um it's going to be just about content right. not quality um and that wrestlemania would be like lots of legends would be headlining the show so there was every you know possibility that all the winners of, of the of, of the Rumbles and of all the championship matches were going to be terrible. And I thought they were actually pretty damn good. Um, and, yeah, why don't we talk about that a little bit? It opened up with uh, Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. This, is, this could have gone really badly. Goldberg has taken the title off of Kevin Owens uh, in 2016, took the title off of The Fiend uh, last year before WrestleMania, um, it really, I think they were trolling us where it looked like Goldberg was going to win this, but they instead just used it to build up Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Which I think was fine. I don't know. Like, I just don't want to see Goldberg anymore, bro. Like, no, not, not at all. Like get off my screen. Like just even, even like the, the ending of that match where he's like shaking his hand. It's like, what who, <laughs> do we, does he need your respect? Really? Like, it's like, who is this? Like, it's not like. It's not like it's an, a legend who's been away for a long time who's now come back to bestow this big honor on Drew McIntyre where it's like this storied... I can't even think of anyone left in WWE that could even fit that archetype that's been gone long enough, that isn't somewhere else, that uh, hasn't worn out their could well. Could give the rub? Yeah, that could do that. Like, they could still wrestle in a match and people would be like... I think The, the Rock. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, The Rock and John Cena. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, but that's the problem. That's what they've done. That Don't you see that's what they've done? By having Bray Wyatt drop the belt to Goldberg, by having Kevin Owens drop the belt to Goldberg, they've proven that nobody on their current roster is as good as, you know, whoever comes in. In this case, it is Goldberg. I actually listened to or watched this uh, pretty interesting video on what culture wrestling, the secret reason or the, like, that why WWE is failing and their point was, do you remember how we were talking about NG? We talk about NGPW all the time and how it's this feeder system. Right. And how they're like, they're young and then they lose all the time and then they come up and then they only win. And we still think that it's like that Will Ospreay is going to beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom or that. Or Shingo's uh, going to beat Tanahashi for more recent. But it's not, that. that's not what happens. They're, the, the, the older wrestlers keep winning until it's the time to push the next generation. So it's like they don't mind like having people like Will Osprey take a bunch of losses because it's like when their time comes, they will be the ones winning. So they have this perfect feeder system of when like they go up from like young lions to main eventers. But WWE doesn't have that anymore. They just have like a whole bunch of 40 year olds on their roster. And it was supposed to be NXT that was the feeder system, right? That would feed up the talent. But now they get called up to the main roster and they're just mid card. They're mid-card or they keep the favorites there 
to compete, continue competing with AEW and continue to keep sifting, like, right. you know, Adam Cole and yeah, get, Gargano like, yeah. and, like, a lot of the people that were, like, when we were, like, at the height of, like, dude, you gotta watch TakeOver. Uh, yeah. Like. It's no longer a feeder system. It's just, it that's its own promotion. Yes. Basically. Yeah. So what else they're doing? So you have, like, maybe two stars in that whole promotion. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, right? Right. And then everyone fights Brock Lesnar and nobody wins because they want to keep Brock strong. But then no one enters the strata. So it's like, who's in the main event? They, they made a really good point in this video. Who's in the main event of WWE? Like, tell me who the main eventers are and who, like, the mid card is. Drew, like, AJ, and Brock? I would say even AJ now. But, yeah, but it's like, everyone else is like, there's no one who's, like, better oh, than Ro- anyone else. Roman. They just keep... Roman, yeah. It's like, Roman and Drew is pretty much any... Like, everyone else just gets fed to them, right? And everyone else is just mid-card. There's no lower mid-card. There's no higher mid-card. Like, it's just a bunch of people exchanging losses. Like, it's just a bunch of 50-50 booking. Like, it's a bunch of Baron Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaros. uh, And no one can really distinguish themselves. Because they don't want to have people lose. Because everyone's at the end of their career. So everyone needs needs to win. Everyone's in the point where, like, uh, you know... What's his face? Uh, Ibushi is right now where it's like, it's his time to win. Everyone's in that slot. No one's in the Jungle Boy slot. There's no Jungle Boys on the roster who can just, like, take losses. You know what I mean? Right. That's what AEW's doing great. Like, we love Jungle Boy. When's last, Jungle Boy hit his, like, first big win against uh, one of the FTR guys, right? He's just been losing. That's what they, they do. They, like, the lower card loses and the high card wins. It's like, we've, we've, we've been talking about how AEW does that so well. You know, that's why the, that's why the guys who are the title holders there right now are Kenny Omega and the Bucks and like people who are like at the top of their career. And then, you know, in 10 years, it'll be Sammy Guevara and uh, Jungle Boy and Darby Allen. Not that Darby Allen isn't already, but you, you get my point. Yeah, there's a logical there. It's a different mentality than New Japan, AEW. Uh, but I think it's similar in just it's like utilization of the people the 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 people the right people while also bringing up the people who like while making things that don't matter truly like matter like stuff that happens uh, like that some stuff that exclusively happens on bte and dark where it's like not that it doesn't matter like at all but i'm just saying like if you just were watching dynamite you could watch dynamite and that stuff could just go on like the cutler library and saga which was great and felt it did feel important various times and like was i think one had probably i mean i don't know this for sure but it was around the time when i was still watching bte consistently where like tony khan actually appeared on bte for like the contract signing and like those kinds of things where it's like subtle subtle ways to make small things feel important I was going to say on a more positive note, since we're not talking about AEW right now, the Women's Royal Rumble completely tore the house down. The Women's Royal Rumble was probably like in my, I would say in my top five rumbles of all time. I loved it. Yeah. I It just like so much, ver- at various points in the roster, or I'm sorry, at various points throughout the rumble, like the WWE women's roster is the reason to keep watching WWE. Like... I, I oh, honestly like could you could I could care less about the rest of the Royal Rumble card to be completely honest like as we're talking about it and going through the things we liked like I didn't really care about anything else uh and we could talk about the other uh, other aspects of what we did and didn't like because I know you liked Roman versus Kevin Owens and the men's Rumble but like dude 
just the way that I totally I totally agree with you though. Like I think the 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 women's rumble is was like the only really good thing on that show and the only thing worth watching. Like Reigns and, and KO was was fun, but it did go on too long. And the men's rumble was like was fun, but it's like not going to be one of the better rumbles that we ever remember. Yeah. Like it was yeah. okay. It was just it was fun. fun like it's fun the way that a Royal Rumble is fun. Um, but no, the women's rumble felt good, and it's like I think again this this ties into exactly what we're talking about because the women's roster is totally different, right, than the men's roster. Like who won the men's Royal Rumble? Edge, because they need to like pop a rating. Who won the women's Royal Rumble? Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, because she's young and like she's now going to start like her ascension into the top. And like they're building a new star. We've made this point before for sure, but just like the women, the reason the women's roster I think is not as like misbooked is because there's not bogged down by like legends like most of the people who who would or could wrestle like from the divas era or even from the attitude era either aren't interested in wrestling anymore or are only interested in doing very limited engagements so like there's not a lot of room for many of them to come in and do like what goldberg is doing and even then it's still it's not like they like, this era of women, I think, are elevated in the same way that, like, Goldberg would be. So, in, like, 20 years, maybe Charlotte Flair will be beating somebody, like, you know. Charlotte Flair is, like, the closest to being a legend, and she's, again, she's, like, in the prime She's of young, career, so, yeah. Like, or, so, like, maybe, yeah. like, Asuka or something, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it's, like, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing, you'd say, with the, with the, um, with the legends. I don't know if they're if if the, the legends are steamrolling in or if they're bringing in legends because they haven't built any new stars. Well, that's whereas the they thing. they have are to. building new stars in the women's roster because they have to. So they don't have to. Um, I think you could probably like bring in Trish Stratus and pop the belt on her if you wanted to. Well, no, I'm just don't saying have like to there's because the not women's enough. Is... There isn't enough. There is just not enough. Like if you, we made a list. I don't know the entire female roster of the WWE from the last like twenty years, but even you made a list of the people who could do what like Edge and even Orton or someone are doing. It's short, like Trish Stratus, Mickey, like Mickey James. Who is there? Anyone like Paige is injured, like not able to wrestle anymore. Yeah, but even still. Like, even if there was a huge backlog that were, like, that could do it, um, they don't have to because they've built stars. Right. Like, the women's division, like, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Asuka, uh, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey. These are, like, these are huge stars. Like, when it was, like, Ronda versus Charlotte versus Becky Lynch in that headline WrestleMania, they that was legit, like, the biggest stars that they had. And then you have... Like, like their lower card percolating too, like Shotzi Blackheart, Billy Kay, totally. Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley. Like not necessarily that they're all like lower card, but like sort of the new up and coming stars Absolutely. are there. And yeah. It is like similar. It's like Sasha, Becky, Bailey, Charlotte. That's like like uh, as sort of a uh, analog, like Tanahashi Okada and you know whoever. Like, and then, you know, the up-and-coming people like Bianca, Rhea, that's like Osprey, in the way that they're positioning them, yeah. it's the same thing, where it's like, a lot of those people are taking significant losses, like Rhea Ripley, like, has taken significant losses. Still feels like a huge and, deal. And we've, been ma- and we've been mad at yeah. that. Like, and, but, but, 
it's like her time will come. Like her time is going to come. Like I think she might beat Charlotte at WrestleMania this year. I think uh, Charlotte might take the belt off Asuka because they were tag team champions and they're probably going to feud. And if they feud, you know Asuka's not winning that. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's like, I, I think we were outraged though because it's like, it's WWE. So like, it's like, well, maybe now that's, she's, she's done. Like maybe it's like, yeah, no, it, it very much could have been that. Like, we were scared, but um, I was really happy to see her be, like, number two in the Rumble. And, like, I, to me, it says they do have big plans for her. I just think that, like, there's no reason why you should cut someone's momentum down without, like, giving them something to do afterwards. And I think that was the problem. Right. It wasn't just that she lost to Charlotte. It was, like, they didn't have any idea what to do with her after that. And she just kind of fell to the, to the mid-card. Like, you can lose to Charlotte if you get that win back. At some point, like Coda lost to everybody, right? Pretty much, like, <laughs> yes, to every to everyone, like, basically, yeah. So he was the big loser the year before too. He lost to Jay White and to Okada, and like then he wins next year. So we were looking at Osprey fighting Okada, and we were like, ah, Osprey's gonna win. But it was like so obvious in retrospect that the legends were gonna win until it was like the time, and they are the legends. And basically, in New Japan, I feel like you can trust to a degree, like that. That's maybe going to pay off. Like Naito's journey to the double gold he was losing a lot yeah. to the point that it was like i don't i think they're just like he's done like i don't think he's gonna win this and then <laughs> he won it and no it is it's it's cool yeah now bianca belair will go on will she fit do we know who she's facing at wrestlemania i mean sasha banks probably like she hasn't she hasn't said it but i mean that's a money match that's gonna be a sick like, match yeah dude like it's like it pretty obvious uh i think and then unless yeah unless charlotte takes the title from oscar or something because i can't see her um challenging oscar no because they're both baby faces right not that's not that sasha's not a baby face but she's you know she's more of a tweener i think like she could play the heel in that in that feud uh if she needed to yeah her and bailey um, both kind of take on whatever roles are necessary for the storyline that they're telling yeah, and I think, like, um, Sasha is, like, a heel, is a baby face next to, like, heel Bailey, but next to other people, she's, like, the arrogant, like, I'm the boss, like, I'm too good for this, you know? True. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm very good with not talking anymore about the Royal Rumble. Like, you should watch the Women's Royal Rumble, and everything else in the show was, like, was fine. It was just, yeah, like, um... I enjoyed the show overall, but yeah, in terms of like what I truly like was engaged in the whole time, if you looked at the notes I took, the only notes I took were during the Women's Rumble because it was so fun and what when I was watching the Women's Rumble Yeah, when I was watching the Women's Rumble, I was like, what a deep fucking roster of women's wrestlers they have across NXT and uh WWE and like how many times I popped, like when Shotzi Blackheart came yeah, out I popped tank. and like yeah. And Rhea and everyone. And then when I was watching the Royal, uh, the Men's Royal Rumble, all I could think was like, oh, this is a real COVID year. Like, we're not going to see Brock. We're not going to see Keith Lee. Like, Right, yeah. It makes perfect sense that they wouldn't be here during during COVID. Totally. Like, you know, they could come. But yeah, before that, we watched uh, NJPW's New Beginning in Nagoya, which uh, John thought was the only new beginning, but I think is one of three new beginnings. That are happening? Yeah. At least two. Yep. Yeah, there's quite a few co- incoming with uh, various matches that are all going to be very sick. Uh, overall, dude, man, the state of New Japan, just like, 
we can't keep putting this off. Like New Japan and AEW are have a confirmed partnership. I'm not trying to steamroll over the new beginning. We can talk about that too, but I feel like it's No, like, not at all. Yeah, just the, the there is a confirmed partnership between New Japan and AEW. You and I this podcast basically has been a uh, the whole like probably every other episode we have talked about hoping <laughs> the forbidden door would crack open i'm so happy that forbidden we don't portal. have to talk about the forbidden door anymore it's open and i kenta appearing on dynamite and the potential matches and thing like the different things that can happen now are insane. And you and I, the reason I bring this up right now is because the opening match for New Beginning in Nagoya was Bullet Club versus Chaos. It's a completely forgettable match. Don't need to watch it. You did not watch it. And it's just like Yano antics and evil with evil in Yujiro. And then Okada does a DDT at one point. It's like, it's like, this is not how you use, like how you would want Okada to be used, but it is if you're trying to develop a partnership with AEW because you want Okada to be the new Japan poster boy in AEW, which I think is what is Dude, happening. And we've talked about it. Like the idea of Kenny defending his title, maybe again against Moxley. Right. And then the, like the coin Oh my God, dude. Yeah. What if that, that happens? And and yeah. No, it's, I think we would lose our minds. I think like how, like last year I couldn't think of like my top moment, right. wrestling moment this year would be like oh my god that obviously like when okada crossed over through the portal from new japan <laughs> to maybe have like another like seven star match against kenny omega like that would be probably the greatest thing that's ever happened in wrestling if, <laughs> if that happened not to be not to be uh too hyperbolic dude i think it would be though like i can't think of a thing that i would want more and i we just like the way that okada has been used for these last like for a while now. I mean, I know it's like Ibushi's time, like, and he's controlling the main event right now, but, like, Okada's just kind of been percolating, like, kind of almost like... Dude, Okada's in exactly the same place as I am in Dark Souls, which is New Game Plus <laughs> Plus. First yeah. he beat the game, then he beat the game again, only using the money clip, and now he's just going through, like, to get all <laughs> the treasures and, like, kill all the titanite demons and everything and find all the secrets yeah no he's he's in a perfect position and i i think about this a lot like what happens like after you're at the top of, top of the card but you're slightly past your point of like you're the biggest like now we have to push the next generation like i talked about that with stone cold as well like when stone cold and rock was suddenly in the middle of the card right and when they didn't have af after the biggest wrestlemania ever at wrestlemania x8 they didn't have a good opponent for stone cold and it was him versus Scott Hall, and he was so pissed about that. Like, I think about that. Like, there's, like, I, you know, obviously it's sad when you never reach the main event. Like, that's probably sadder. But, like, there's something really sad about reaching the main event and then being slightly past your prime. Where it's, like, not past your prime, but just, like, there's a next generation. You can't be on top forever. Like, Okada's still, like, one of the best wrestlers in the world. But he cannot be the top guy because they gotta push Kota. Yeah, but they'll be, I bet they'll be coming. another... Not that o Okada, like I think Okada will have a long IWGP reign. Again. Oh man! Like no, totally. I don't, and I don't mean to say like like Okada like has nothing to do with what he's done. Like he like he's not even in the Tanahashi phase of his career yet. Yeah, know? absolutely not. But I do think that there is like, something too, like because like if like when was Harold fired? Harold was or like let go or left the company. He like left the company like I think towards the end of last year. And, like, Okada yeah. kind of has been, like, he started doing the money clip in the New Japan Cup in the summertime. 
and since then it's kind of just been feuding with Osprey and that's been a that's been a sick feud and you know uh he ultimately I guess won that feud because he won at Wrestle Kingdom Okada uh but has largely not really done like anything of note over the last year like just been basically marking time for what is potentially going to be his North American debut. I mean, God, if if God is willing, yeah, inshallah that happens. And I, I think about this too when looking at that match. Like, um, there, uh, there's probably no one I'm more bored of right now in New Japan than Evil. Right. But if one day, you know. Orange Cassidy was like celebrating having won the TNT title or something like that. And then suddenly evil came up behind him and just like planted him into the, you know, the wall or something like that. I would be flipping out. I'd be like, holy shit, evil is in AEW. So I think it, it's a great chance for them to just sort of like reinvigorate people who have, uh, yeah, not much to do or, or just kind of need like, like have like worn out their yeah, welcome he... a little bit, like kind of stagnated. Like evil, I think. Like the evil experiment, I think, is not one that has succeeded in terms of like making someone who's like a top guy. Uh... I, I I was watching the Kenny Omega Omega Man documentary the other night because it was on after Beach Break, and you know Don Callis or somebody was talking about how the IWGP title, like even though like obviously you know wrestling is wrestling, but when you hold that title it means you're the best wrestler in the world. And there's almost no time when that's not true. But it absolutely was not true when Evil held it. And can you think of anyone else who's held it that has, like, not lived up to that as much as Evil? Since I've started watching, definitely not. Since I've... Yeah, no, it's always been some... Well, since you started watching, it's just been, like, Okada. Basically. Naito. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the entire... Like, I can't think of anyone right now, like that is in the same sort of like way where it's like you have the most important title and you are pretty like, and it's weird. And we don't need to talk about him very long, but I think a lot of it is Dick Togo's fault. Like I think evil is boring and I don't think he is on the level of any of the people who have held the IWGP belt over the last three years. But at the same time, I think a lot of it has to do with him. Okay, well, for outside of kayfabe, then it really has to do with Gato because I don't think Dick Togo is booking these matches. Yes, sure, it's not Dick Togo's fault entirely, <laughs> uh, but you know, just the yes, the so like how they're booking the him, interference basically. is annoying because when he totally. he's had some really cool like hard hitting matches, um, yeah, like like quite a few, and he has he can't he has the capability of having sort of like an evil like energy or sorry a ishi like energy where not necessarily like the level of the stone pitbull but like just in the way that he throws forearms and the way that he dominates a ring when he actually is just wrestling i think he is really compelling but then when it comes to like actually winning they've established that he cannot win without cheating and it's boring um it is boring and it it's yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that Evil is a bad wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like, we've liked, we've used to like Evil a lot. Like, we've liked Evil. Just like Evil was in his place. I think it's the same thing that would happen right now if they just threw the title on someone who just wasn't quite ready for it. I was about to say Tai Chi, but he probably would have done better than Evil would have done it, like, based on his match with Coda, the kicking match. But yeah, it's like, it's just if they threw it on someone who was just, like, not quite at the top of the card yet, where you're just like, 
why is it on this person? Right. You know? And then, you know, Tai you like to that point, yeah, someone like Tai Chi I think would like Yeah. He just has a heel energy that's different than evil that I think connects. And I don't know, yeah, it, kind of speaking of, I, not not to skip over the second match, the second match was Ibushi and his uh, weirdly assembled crew of Hanma, Wato, and Sho versus LIJ, uh, kind of hyping up the Ibushi-Sonata match incoming, which is going to be great. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of sort of like new heels, what did you think of Great Khan versus Tenzan? And sort of now the fact that uh, the master of the Mongolian chop, Tenzan, can no longer do the Mongolian chop, which I think is very weird. Uh, I, I am very worried that Great Okan is just going to be evil 2.0 as far as someone yeah. who who they're they're really trying to build up um, that I'm not totally crazy about how they're doing it like yeah I, I don't know much about Tenzon I did not know that he was the master of the Mongolian chop when I heard this match was happening and Great Okan one of his signature moves is this you know wailing mongolian chop to the sides of the neck um like was very obvious he was not going to lose that because he's new and he only just started doing it so it was obvious that tenzin was going to lose and then it was like do i care that tenzin's not going to do that anymore no so I, I i just didn't really care about the stip um i thought the match was fine um i like okan i think his trousers are stupid um and he looks like a genie when he wears them <laughs> but uh I'm yeah, sad that Tenzin just, it, can't do the chops anymore. Yeah, I don't know much about Tenzin, so like, yeah, you'd have to have more, uh, give me more context on that. But yeah, it was it was fine. Like, I just hope that Great Okan is a really good wrestler. Like, when it comes down to it, because I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced based on his matches with like Tanahashi and other people. Yeah, but, I mean, the New Japan crowd loves Tenzin, and I can't believe that he, in his retirement, the crowd cannot go in response to his mongolian right. chops uh well uh i don't understand why we're living in a post-covid world well because he can't do the chops anymore bro <laughs> uh he lost them in the stip um but <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry i, I you missed your dig at that because they no 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 yeah no, because they they're... they can't do any uh any mouth sounds not because right? they can't do mouth sounds because according to that stipulation that that was the thing that had me invested in the match because i was like tenzin can't lose this but then he did lose it. And I knew, but in my mind, I was like, well, Okan can't lose it because he's new and they're trying to build him up. But yeah, it was fine. It was a fine middle, middle, of, middle of the card match. Like a good, I thought it was a good undercard match, like a good utilization of like a uh, older wrestler giving a newer wrestler some shine. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was fine. Uh, I much preferred uh, Osprey versus Kojima. That was nice. New Japan that takeover. Was a really good match. In Nagoya. Totally. It did have that energy. Man, Osprey is just the coolest. I just love Osprey. Oh, I missed him so much when he was gone. The, over the last right, year. Right, uh, during his, uh, yeah, just like while COVID was going on and he was not able to travel. Yeah. It, it did feel like he could have been in that evil spot. Like, he's a better wrestler than evil. Like, he's got, he, I think he's a little bit more established. You're saying like uh, if he hadn't been away? Yeah. Yeah, I guess if they wanted to put, they wanted to put the belt on a heel. I know the the whole point of it was just to like uh, build up Bullet Club while Jay White was gone, and to give um, Naito like a, I don't know, to get I think to give Evil and Naito more of a story. I feel like a lot of New Japan's story and booking 
in addition to sort of the feeder system that you laid out earlier in the podcast, like it's very easy to sort of see like who is going to be facing who, and then also to kind of like build up and fantasy book in your head where things are going. Like uh, when we were making 21, 21 predictions, um, Osprey was someone that I had suggested is maybe going to be the one that beats Ibushi eventually, which I think is going right. to happen, uh, which it makes sense because their history yeah. and the story that is there. And I don't think like Naito and Osprey don't have any sort of story, but I do agree that I do think if he had been, we kept saying that it was Osprey's year if he had been in New Japan, and it's starting to right. really feel that way this year. Like, yeah, you're no, I think you're right. He wouldn't have been put exactly in that spot, and it will make sense when he does fight when he does fight Kota. Um, but I did want to say that I felt like we were just robbed of like a lot of Naito title defenses. Like, I felt like there's a lot of people that Naito could have fought. Yes, Like, if he needed to... S- s- totally. I just think of, like, all the, like, upper mid-carters Kaiji. he could have fought. Like, Ichi- Ishii. Um, but, again, you you know a little bit more about it, but it just felt like, you know, even people like uh, Goto. Like, it would be... It would have been cool to see a match against him. Well, and that, like, would reference a lot of the people we just named. He ha- Naito has history with. I Yeah, I don't know. It's... It's interesting. New Japan is an interesting thing to sort of like um, fantasy book and figure out together because we there isn't as much like like you can kind of see what wrestlers Gato likes, but it's not like you we there's like a total mentality of like in the same way like earlier when we were kind of like talking about the different ways that WWE, AEW, and New Japan kind of build up their stars and stuff. Like you can like kind of pragmatically look at how New Japan does that, but we don't actually. No, I, I mean, unless there's a book that we don't know about, no one truly knows like what Gato is like thinking or sort of like, you know, how what his sort of how he's planning things out to be. And it's cool to see. And I think that's what makes New Japan fun is that he does oftentimes deliver what you want. And uh, sometimes he doesn't. And a lot of last year yeah. he didn't. And uh it doesn't make me dis it doesn't make me like new japan any less though because as those like maybe the stories that were being told last year weren't the most compelling still the matches that we got were absolutely like incredible all the g1 match like the g1 last this past year like the taichi ibushi kickoff and like you know all of shingo's matches suzuki's match oh yeah it was it was only the iwgp like storyline yeah that that fellow and I just felt bad because it felt like Naito had just shitty reign. It, he did. Like yeah, I felt like it he, sucked. Yeah. Naito deserved better. He didn't have to like share it with Evil and no, <laughs> no. Yeah, it does feel, fight it only really Evil all way. year. Totally, because he only yeah. had his match with Kento was absolutely incredible at New Beginning, and yeah, Naito gets bloody. Like it was a very brutal match. Very great. It was a great match, and definitely seemed like oh, this is going to be a cool year for defenses for naito and then yeah he just went in a cycle against evil over and over again for yeah i would have liked to see seen him against all those like upper upper mid card heels who could take a loss yeah like kenta like like uh who did i say before zsj and um one more person i can't remember taichi goto taichi thank you taichi yeah uh i love these um smaller shows though because it means we can our main event can be a never open weight between Shingo and Tanahashi. And yeah, this was awesome. This was, this is like a classic, uh, like, G, like top of the G1 card of, of one of the nights. 
Oh, yes, it totally feels that way. Yeah, it does feel that way where you get, like, uh, you see the pairing and you're like, oh, that's going to be the main event, like, Shingo v. Tanahashi. Yeah. And it's so cool. This can have, like, 40 minutes or something rather than having to be just, like, a 15-minute match. It's so cool that Tanahashi is the never openweight champ now. I didn't expect that. Dude, I didn't expect that either. I, I, I guess that means, like, they're pushing Shingo up. Yes, and like I think Shingo is a perfect loss, like for or win for Ibushi, like great chemistry and energy together, and like yeah, just that match Shingo versus Ibushi is going to be insane for the IWGP belt. I'm sure that that's incoming. Like man, oh absolutely, yeah, probably after Sonata. So does this mean that the Neverweight belt has kind of taken over the spot of the Intercontinental belt as the place you go after yeah i think so i think it should i I, at this point i feel like it should you brought up the point would kojima versus osprey have been better for a belt and it wouldn't have when we were when we were talking in the chat like that match not to go back to that match but that match like yeah it felt like a huge main event even though kojima and osprey don't really have like it's not like there's this like blood feud that's built up from the last like three months it was just a match that happened and it did feel like a Glory Days NXT TakeOver match with the amount of weapons that were used and <laughs> felt very important and felt... It felt like Mauro Ronaldo should be calling that match. Like, I felt like... Yeah, not that Kevin Kelly didn't do a good job, but I feel like I could hear Mauro Ronaldo calling uh, that match in the same way. Like, this match, Shingo versus Tanahashi, felt very important because it was for the belt. The belt seemed like it mattered in... Or I guess in a different way it mattered in a different way and that Tanahashi winning the never belt is a huge signal to that. I feel like it's like, that is a new secondary belt. And I would say like due in large part to Shingo's work over the last year, like we named it as like, I, we both initially named it as the belt of the year for defenses. Uh, and it still was the belt of the year for defenses. I just wanted to shine some love on the, uh, how I felt about the TNT title, but no, totally. And but I look at this now, and people who have held it more recently, you have Tanahashi, you have Suzuki. These are brawlers. people who are like pa- brawlers, but also they're, they're 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 past their prime, right? This is not like a stepping stone title anymore. This is more like a <laughs> this is more like a yeah, like this is maybe what Okada could hold in like a year or so. Oh, you think so? See, I actually kind of feel like like the fact that Tanahashi won it makes it more important. It has nothing to do with the important, more just like who is holding it. Like, are you holding it before you become IWGP champion? I think so. Yeah, because like, because Ten- I don't know, just Tanahashi winning it. I feel like if you go through the like people who have won it in the past, like the who you just mentioned, uh, Suzuki and Taichi and Ishi and Goto, like all of these like sort of brawler mid card dudes held it first, and not necessarily old people. It's like all like kind of uh, mid-card tough guys. And Suzuki, who is a mid-card tough guy in New Japan. Like, it's it's pretty much who has held it. Shibata has held it it once. I just think, like, that, in my mind, that belt has been, like, the tough tough guy belt. And Tanahashi winning it, one of the most, like, it's like John Cena winning it, basically. Like, you know, it's like, I feel like it's elevating it to the second belt status. Whoever beats Tanahashi, it's going to be some... I bet it'll be someone surprising. It's not. It's gonna. It's gonna build that person up 
in a way really nice. I have no guesses as to who it could be, but I was gonna say neither do I. Um, it like, but that being said, the reason I don't have a guess for that is because I don't think it'll be someone like the people that have held it before. These sort of brawler archetypes like uh, Jeff Cobb, Tai Chi, and Ishi. I don't think any of them are going to beat Tanahashi for it. Maybe Jeff Cobb because of the way he's been like strongly booked, but. God damn, that would be a good match too. Yeah, totally. I that that actually, as we're talking about, now that I'm saying that, that to me is maybe out of all the people that have held it previously, I could see Jeff Cobb beating him. I also could see them doing something like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess Tanahashi beat Great Okan. Not that I would want Great Okan to win it from him or hold it, but uh, that does seem plausible though. Like he's not quite ready for primetime player, so IWGP. Yeah, just like looking at the field of never open weight champs of the last like since it's existed basically. Uh yeah, it's cool that Tanahashi is holding it now and I think that um it just opens up a lot of different possibilities in a way that not a lot of other people winning it could. Like I think Naito winning it would have been sort of more of the same just based off of like he had the yeah, double cha- double gold belts that it feels like that was his like thank you for the work you've done you did it like and he's he's held the never belt before whereas like tanahashi has not held the never belt he is their john cena it does elevate it to a new status it's cool and i I, probably makes him like a grand slam champion yes right he's won like everything yeah and i previously in our in our um chats have been kind of against them getting rid of the intercontinental belt but like I, they don't. I the more people that win that double gold belt, the less important Naito's double gold championship is going to be. Like double gold win, like I feel like it's like diminishing returns. Like how many people are going to be double? I agree. Champ? They they either need to put them together or get rid of one, the intercontinental. And now that you're making a good point that uh, never's like on the up, that I do think there should be an intercontinental title for people. Oddly enough, like Tanahashi. <laughs> 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 we but need anyway, another yeah, belt because the never open weight champ needs a belt another belt once that he doesn't have the belt anymore like but yeah it's true though because like tanahashi after but uh, that being said though do they need the belt though like because tanahashi versus jericho didn't happen for a belt at wrestle kingdom and it was great oh you're yeah you're totally right no they don't i thought that i thought it was it was for a shot at no? uh AEW. it was when jericho was still champ so like if Tanahashi had won, man, yeah, and now that can be a reality. Like I think that that will happen. Like that match. Oh my god, and the fact that we're gonna get uh, Kenta and Moxley now. It, it was beginning to feel like Kenta was just defending the U.S. title, and eventually Moxley was just gonna have to drop it because he wasn't defending it. Um, so to get some confirmation that that's actually happening in in the foreseeable future like i'm so excited yeah it's interesting like how this all unfolded and came together like how important is john moxley to this era of wrestling like he his like the fact that new japan sees him as someone they want to keep working with the fact that he left wwe like it's just cool to see like we i, I feel like all of us that have been following the bucks and like the elites on the indies from ring of honor to now it's like well they're and they established they helped establish bullet club and make it like an actual kind of like worldwide brand uh and are continuing to do that by you know featuring it on 
uh, AEW, it's like those were going to be the people that united New Japan and the like AEW or whatever. But instead, and it's... instead, it's Dean Ambrose. <laughs> well, I was going to say, as much as we shit on Chris Jericho these days for having crappy politics, um, he him going to fight Kenny Omega in NJPW was well, one yeah. of the biggest moments in yes. wrestling. Got so many eyes on the program. And then the fact that he came to All Elite really, again, helped solidify that bridge as much as, yeah, someone like Moxley, uh, Kenny Omega, and, and, and the Elite. Right. Yes. It's just like, I guess that's true, just like thinking about all the pieces that fell into play. Like, and I know Jericho was a big part of helping like bring Moxley into AEW and just seeing like the different pieces that all fell into place in that way where like Moxley's okay. contract was up and now he's like ripping it up in AEW and which has led to and you know you know he ripped it up in G1 won the US title from Juice and has held it since then basically I mean he dropped it and or had to was stripped of it they're not going to do that again like it's so sick and and th- think about how instrumental Jericho was as that first champion like it was him versus Hangman for the title and now it's gonna be so fucking satisfying when Hangman wins it because he lost it that he's been chasing it for so long you know he was in that first match but it was too early for Hangman if Hangman had been the first champion of AEW it wouldn't have had that same luster as when like Chris Jericho like Chris Jericho is the first AEW champion like people were interested in that yeah, like that, that was well, money. and at this point, so like, like, I feel like by the time Hangman is champ, you could cut together a feature-length film about his journey to the title. Like, <laughs> Dude, it's gonna be unreal. It's gonna be unreal, and that that to me is what links. Like, I know it's not exactly the same the way that NJP, NJPW and AEW works. Like, I think NJPW is 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 more like you can really see it happening like one to one, whereas in AEW. I do think, though, it's like they started with the oldest guys as champions. They started with Jericho and SCU, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are your like oldest veterans, guys. Yeah. They're not going to have... Yeah, they're not going to have the longest the longest run. They're, they're at the end of their career. And now it's like Omega, the Bucks. It's it's time for them, right? They're, they're in their late 30s, early 40s. It, it's their time, and then soon it'll be, you know, eventually like Private Party. Like, Private Party's taking a bunch of losses right now, and eventually they'll be at the top of the card. So, uh, I think that's, that's, you can really see that long-term storytelling happening in the same way that, like, Coda had so many fucking losses before he came to, to get the title. Yeah, that seed is definitely there. Like, the, their win, Private Party's win over the Bucks, I think that was a big, like, a big signifier for, like, what the Young Bucks wanted to do with the tag division. And, I remember just being frustrated, like, the first, like, year, kind of like, Man, like they left, like I remember they left ROH and then were not wrestling for a long time as they all, th- them and Kenny, as they all built up AEW and like we're waiting for them to wrestle, we're waiting for them to wrestle. And then they finally started wrestling. And it's like, all right, these people that we've been following and that like really like blew the door down for this promotion, we're ready for them to be champs. And instead it's like, yeah, they aren't the champs. They're, t- they're, they're putting over private party. They're having SCU. They're surprising us by having Hangman and Kenny without us even really realizing, oh, the long-term story there is that Hangman is going to eventually be the one that beats Kenny, and it's going to be the most like triumphant moment in AEW like 
for the oh. first three to four years of AEW, that will be the most triumphant moment. Like it's gonna be insane. And we and we always and we always talk about like season one, season two, season three. You can almost like track that by like who was the AEW champion, right? You know, you had you had Jericho, and then you had Mox, and now you have Kenny. And it's like we were. You know, for a year we were like, "Why is Kenny like not a top champ? He's just tech good." Well, now he yes. is. We were like, "Why are the Bucks not champion?" Well, now they are, and soon we're gonna be saying that about somebody else. And then, yeah, like, why is Hangman not champ? And he will be. So, yeah, it's really cool to see these stories like play out in in real time. This has been another episode of the Torture Rack Podcast. You can follow my co-host John F Malta at John F Malta on all social media. You can follow me. Mark Basque at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Patreon, on our website, and join the Torture Racked Wolf.